0: welcome to the blazers edge podcast i'm tara joined by dan meringue as usual how you doing dan
1: doing pretty good Tara. and uh, we got a special guest this week my friend from the bod pod also a partner of the almighty baller network james holis you find his work at b-ball breakdown among various other places james good to have you man how you doing
2: I'm going to try to speak in very measured tones this time because it seems like my internet's always <laughs> buffering when I talk to you. I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me on. Hi, guys. You just you just got to slow, slow down the energy just I a am going bit. to modulate and keep my energy low.
0: <laughs> wow, I feel like I'm listening to NPR right now.
1: <laughs> it's yeah. the tranked out version of James.
2: We're going to talk about Dame Lillard.
0: <laughs> I am very excited to talk about Dame Lillard, but before we get started, I would—I I listen to a lot of podcasts, as most people know, and I probably don't go two days without downloading a podcast that has James Hollis on as a guest, and so I love to hear what you have to say, but nobody ever talks about you and who you are, so can we take a couple minutes just to learn a little bit more about you?
2: Uh, sure. I'm a Gemini. I enjoy spaghetti by candlelight. Um no, so uh I was born in Trinidad, raised in South Carolina. Um I'm a I'm a old head. Uh, you know, I remember back the MJ days, Pippin days, Robin days. I first fell in love with basketball with Scottie Pippen, hence the name Snyder dripping on social media. I I once I'm not gonna lie, when when the, the the Chicago Bulls broke up, I broke out also and I had to find a fine new team to latch on to. And I loved Paul Pierce and I loved Antoine Walker and i love those guys so i latched onto the celtics back in the day and i you know we were pretty bad but they were fun
0: so about how long ago was that that you uh, started really uh tracking the celtics in earnest
2: we're talking what 98 99 you know cuz i know pierce came in 90 was it 96 or 97 pierce came in yeah. so yeah i, I latched onto him right around then
0: awesome well how long have you been writing about basketball
2: um about 3 or 4 years it's funny i started off they were doing the The uh, ESPN Daily Dime Live. So during games, it was just uh, that that chat that was on ESPN, and that's when I first came up with the Snotty dripping handle, and that's when I first like just started talking to a lot of just you know guys who blog and write, and that kind of you know got my interest flowing. I started my own blog like you know four maybe four years ago, and it was terrible, but it was just something small and fun. And then uh, I think one of the fan-sided sites reached out to me, and you know I I tried that. I was it was a disaster. Uh, My man, Hoops Critic uh you know Brian over the hoops critic reached out to me and I wrote for them for about a year or two and that was really fun cuz they they let you kind of just be creative and do your own thing and then uh yeah I've been at B-Ball Breakdown now for like 3 years
0: I really enjoy your writing because it is like you said creative um you you have a slight, slightly different approach than a lot of people I just I find it easy to read and uh you break down some uh, pretty complex things into um something that you know That most people can understand without having to have like a deep, deep background in analytics and like what's you know VORP and what's all this stuff.
2: Oh no! Listen, listen, Tara. Listen, you don't have to butter me up. You You, already got me on the show. Okay. You
1: you said you said the magic word for James VORP.
2: You don't have to but no, you have to. So you don't have to butter me up. All right, you already got me on the show. All right, I appreciate the kind words though. No, thank. I just to me it's fun. You know, so I try to keep things fun. And yes, I do kind of. I get irked by the deep dive numbers guys who just spew numbers at you like, you know, for five, 6,000 words. So I try to keep it kind of simple and conversational.
0: So one more question before we go into our big main topic of the day, which is Damian Lillard. I can't wait to talk about him, but one more question. So what do you do when you're not writing about basketball?
2: Um, I got a full-time day job. I'm a technician. Uh, I'm a, uh, I'm a civilian contractor. I work for the military Um, And even there, it's funny because like, you know, some of those guys see me on Facebook, whatever, and they're like, hey, aren't you snotty dripping?
0: (laughs) I I can't quite bring myself to say your handle out loud because it's just I feel like a little more (laughs) genteel than that. I mean, there's not a really high bar, but for me, I just like I will be calling you James.
2: You know what's funny about that? Over at Bball Breakdown, somebody told me that they went to get a uh, credential for a game, and whoever that the, the team official went and checked out Bball Breakdown and told them, "You got somebody for your site who writes under the handle B- uh, Snotty Dripping," and they did not give them credentials.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and here is that that's why a true you story. tried to change it to James?
2: Well, that's one. Yeah, that was part of it. I was like, dude, if I can't, you know, what I'm saying, how am I gonna get credential? It's crazy that I turned around and I got verified on Twitter as snotty dripping now. So um, <laughs> I felt bad about that for a while. Man. i was like, man, I'm never going to be taken seriously. And that's fine, though. I mean, I don't take myself seriously. So,
0: Well, let's 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 uh, turn to the topic at hand that uh, that Dan was like, oh, we got to get James on to talk about this. Let's talk about Damian Lillard. Dan, you want to um, let
1: me turn it over to you now. Yeah. You know, this is something James and I've kind of talked about on and off for what seems like what, like two years now, James?
2: Yes. Very much so. so.
1: The idea that, like, the reason I wanted to bring you on is I wanted to bring you a voice from outside the Portland market to kind of talk about the Blazers. And you've kind of taken Dame as you were talking about earlier as as, as one of your large adult sons. And you've been higher on him than almost anybody I, I've seen in basketball, Twitter, in basketball writing, in, really in, in general. And it, I find it kind of not not funny, but just a, a bit strange that more people don't look at dane this way because if you if you look at his numbers and you look at his production you look at what he's done in portland in 5 years it's been absolutely just ludicrous but you you're actually higher on him than 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 I've ever been in heading into this the end of this last year you said you expect dane to take kind of that that astronomical leap into being one of the top 10 players in the league an mvp caliber player you know what what is it, not, what is it about, ast- about you
2: I was gonna say it's not even astronomical because Dame last year had one of like a historic year. So I'm gonna I'm gonna break this down to you. Last year Dame averaged I think twenty-seven it was almost, six and four. It, it was almost it's just a hair below twenty-seven six and four. It's like uh no five actually. It was it's four point nine rebounds and like five point nine assists. Yeah. Right. Um, and he shot thirty-seven 7, from three. If you take those numbers and look and say what player has ever Averaged about twenty-seven points, you know, four point nine uh, rebounds, and and five point nine assists, and shot 37, 37 percent from three. How many guys do you think in history have done that?
1: I think it's fifteen or sixteen because I ran Negative. numbers on that, on that,
2: t- you're, you're, on that tu- tweet thread. Your turn, Tard. He's you're way too high, brother.
1: There's there's only a
0: handful, and I can't remember who they are, but there there was only like five or six, I think.
2: Dame is number seven. Dame is number seven. The other guys are Steph Curry. Larry Bird did it three times. Kobe did it once. Braun did it once. Michael Jordan did it once. Harden did it once. So, I mean, it's incredible to me that well, you know what's what's kills me is how how much somehow, somehow raw production has become underrated. You know, people say stuff like, you know, Daron, like uh, uh, DeMar DeRozan is a bad basketball player. The guy averaged like 27, 4, and 5. You know what I mean? It's or 27, 5, and 4. I don't understand where we, how we got to this point where a player can produce at a high level and somehow is a, not a good basketball player. I don't see how a guy like Dame can be underrated when he's led his team to the playoffs every year. No matter who's around him, he's been the offensive like engine of teams that have been pretty good offensively. And sure, he's not a great defender, neither is Russell Westbrook. Neither was Steph Curry until recently. Somehow people decided to make him a good defender. Which No, I get it. He, he's great in team concept. But, um, you know, neither is Kyrie Irving. They're not great defenders. And, and, and when you're an offensive engine, you don't need to be, right? You're, you you have such a load on you. So coming into this season, I looked and I saw w- with Nurkic, uh, I think Portland was like fifth in offense and like 10th in defense, which is great, offensive rating and defensive rating. I saw that they, you know, when with Nurkic in the lineup, they were like a top five team in the NBA i get it it was a mushy part of the schedule i get it it's a very small sample size i think with 22 games um but they were really good so before the 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 free agency and the offseason went nuts i was really high on on dame and the saying they could be like a top four or five seed now things have changed some. i still think portland's gonna be really good but they're not gonna be better than maybe you know maybe not they're gonna be six or seven dame has just been absolutely incredible and players get slotted into tiers. Based on talking heads on TV, and then after that, it's really rigid. and It's hard to move. You can't tell me like that Kyrie Irving's better than Dame. You can't tell me that. I've, I've watched both of them play, and one guy operates as the number one option for a playoff team. The other guy is, you know, riding LeBron James coattails, which isn't a bad place to be. So it's 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 frustrating to me.
1: When you, when you're looking at Dame and you're talking about how people look at him, how much do you think of it is? Portland in the market and, and where Portland is geographically and how much time they get on TV and how much of it is the other guys, the guys that are looked at as, as the, the top of the pantheon. Steph, uh, Russell, James, Chris Paul being the, those guys, the way that they're looked at and how, how
2: hard it is for Dame to break through into that tier. Well,
0: and team wins, too.
2: For sure. It's, it's both. It's definitely both. Uh, because, I mean, if Portland was on TV more, I think Dame would be a bigger star. Because, look, players, we love players who can score the basketball. We love players who can be flashy. And Dame is one of the flashiest and one of the best scorers in the NBA. He, he's big, he's strong. It's funny because people think he's just a gunner, a shooter. But, I mean, he's been one of the, like, last couple of years, he scores uh, off of drives, like, more than almost anybody else in the NBA. You know, he was, like, one of the, I think he was, like, a top three guy in the NBA last year scoring off drives. He gets to the hole, and, he's, and he finishes.
0: He's improved in that a lot.
2: For sure. Yeah, and
1: that, that, like that. That, was a, that was one of his, you know, quote-unquote weaknesses coming in the league was how, how well would he be able to finish inside the paint. And his development in that area has been huge considering where he came from.
2: For sure. And he, like, that's, that's – the guy has it all. He has the whole package. He's not a post-up guy, and that's fine. You I mean, you're, you're a point guard. You need to post up. But he's, he can score on all levels. It, it, it's incredible. Um, so yeah, it's definitely the market size. I think a lot of people just don't see Portland play. Uh, and the second one, like you said, there are play. There are better players in front of them. But I think he, like we've seen him go toe to toe with almost all those guys at least once or twice. So it's, it's just amazing to me that he just he just doesn't really get the respect. And Portland they did him a disservice. Uh, I get it. They went all in on that roster and looked for internal development, and that might not have been the you no know, the right decision. Um, <laughs> the- <laughs> I'm being diplomatic, and also. I <laughs> Two things worry about next season kind of worry me. Sure, the landscape changed in the West, right? A lot got a lot, a lot deeper, a lot more talented. I also think Portland's going to miss Alan Crabb more than people seem to think. I get it; he was overpaid, but he was a valuable floor spacer. And playing with uh, CJ and Dame, he he provided, you know, it's, that's valuable. Somebody who was, you had to guard him on the perimeter, and he he, he filled it up if you left him open or close. Even if you were he wasn't open, he could you know he hit contested threes. That's a valuable thing to have. I mean, if you we want to talk about, you know, some of the... I know you
1: hate t- talking about this stuff, but some of the analytics behind it. Okay. I, I bashed Crab for his inconsistency. It doesn't think it doesn't mean that I don't think he's a, a productive player. When you get rid of arguably your best three-point shooter who does have gravity, who's a guy that you can't leave,
2: mm-hmm. and you
1: don't replace him whatsoever...
2: There you go, yeah.
1: That's a big impact. And I think that's something that people are overlooking. But kind of going what you, you were... The, it, maybe this is counter counterintuitive, but I think because Crab's gone, and this is something Tara and I talked about last week, I think the, the biggest change that Dame can make that could actually elevate him more is becoming more efficient. If he becomes uh, more efficient, and I, I know that's harder to say when he's being covered even tighter now, without that coverage, without that, that floor spacing and that gravity in the corner. I mean, but if he becomes a little bit more selective in his shot taking, because Dame does take some dumb shots, but he does this,
2: make them too. I'm gonna fight with you about this one, because what makes Steph Curry so dangerous? The fact that you know he can at pull any from moment, and that's Dame has a lot of that in his game. He's not Steph Curry. Everyone listening, he's the second understand. best in that
1: aspect. In, Thank in you. Mind.
2: So that matters. So just because the environment's different and he's playing for a different team, you can't take that that away from him because that makes him special, right? He's a, he's yeah, a, he's, he's got he's,
1: in the gym range. So he's one I'm going like to five guys in the league who can do it.
2: I'm going to disagree with you that he needs to be more efficient. I mean, the guy shot just a hair under the 45% from the floor, 37% from three, and like he has to take these shots. I get it. He's, he has CJ and he had other guys, but that's his job is to, it, in a way, it has a... Kobe's last season and then LeBron in the finals when he went nuts against Cleveland, I mean, against Golden State, you know, by himself in 2015, that gave me a newfound appreciation for volume scores. And that's what Dame's job is. His job is to absorb some possessions and put up buckets and put up points on the board to let everybody else on the team do what,
1: to freeze the space up and I, I, I get where you're coming from on that. And that's what I think is going to, the trend is going to continue. But I think with the loss of the floor spacing now that, that could be replaced or replicated somehow by getting Nurkic going a little bit more Then I, I think having a whole season of Nurkic and having the pick and roll, pick and pop option. If, if Nurkic does add that to his game over the summer, then that alleviates a lot of that pressure, and it and it frees Dame up to be that that volume guy who his efficiency just goes up because of the the threat changes from the All corner right. three or the wing three to Nurkic rolling down the middle. Hold up, hold up, hold up!
0: Before you guys go on, can you, I, I'm not? Are you guys talking about the same thing when you're talking about efficiency? Can you Dan? Dan can you explain what you mean by efficiency? And then Dame's because I I feel like maybe you guys are talking about slightly different things with regards to. No, we're, to Dame's
1: we're game. both on the same page. This is something James and I have talked about a a bunch, and and I I, I totally get where he's coming from. Dame's, for for all intents and purposes, is is a chucker, and and it's the right kind of chucking because he can hit those shots. The the guys like Dame, Steph, even Jamal Crawford in his prime, the guys that you can just pull up from anywhere on the floor and hit shots that you're thinking, no, 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 oh my God, he hit it.
0: But when you're saying he needs to get a little more
1: efficient with that, you're – how, how being more being more selective in in his opportunities uh,
2: it's,
1: it's, a, it's a fine line to walk. Trust me, I, I know how difficult this is to, 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 to walk because he needs to take those shots because that's what breaks the defense down. whether it's you know a 30 foot three or taking three guys onto the rim and finishing in traffic there's varying degrees of difficulty and he's still going to have to do it but I think at some point in time because of the the lack of spacing on the floor without a guy like Crab out there unless somebody steps up I think he has to be a little bit more selective in when he opts to take that shot versus drawing the defense and kicking over to somebody else like McCollum or Nurkic
2: I mean that's in a perfect world sure every play he makes will be the perfect one that's just not how it works exactly you know, what I mean, so I, I, I get, I, I, I get what you're asking. No, that's I feel why like it's difficult as could be. Well, it's not; it's impossible. That's my thing. It's impossible to you. We can go hindsight and say every player and say, "Oh, he should have done this different." That's I don't, I don't. I'm not going to do it with the uh analyst crowds where they were, they were hyper I'm the
1: player to change who they are, and that's not what I'm trying to do.
2: Well, yeah, kind of. You are, and <laughs> that's the thing. He, he's not going to do that. You know, what I mean, I, I and. I'm with you.
0: I'm gonna interject again. Okay, <laughs> this is fun. I was listening to a uh, another podcast. Uh, it was Dame was a guest on. It was BJ Armstrong had a, has a podcast. Oh, and, really? Um, I think that's what it was. I will if I, if I'm wrong about that, I will cor- correct it in the show notes because, like I said, I listen to a lot. But it was an interview with Dame talking about the off and he was talking about during the uh, during the uh, playoffs. He watched even more film than he usually did, um, both on offense and defense and he it sounded to me the way like he was the way he was discussing it is that he saw some things about his game by watching it that he had never really seen before and mm-hmm. that uh, and some of those things were his offensive um, it was the way he uh reacted to his defenders. So when people were defending him, what choices did he make? So it kind of sounds like to me, like he's thinking about that. Like, I know that I need to um, think carefully about my shot selections, but it's also true that in the heat of the game, like you do what your body automatically does, which is like, I'm in line to shoot, I shoot. But it sounds to me like he has been um, doing some of that careful study to really break it down even more so, which is why I think he has, like you guys were talking about, another gear because he's got so much that's already come naturally to him and now he's um you know now he's uh t- taking a step back and trying to uh incorporate what he's experienced into something even better.
2: Like Dame is only 26, you know, uh when's he turn 27? It's coming up soon. Oh, uh, no,
0: he just yeah. And- his birthday's in July.
2: There you go. He just 6, yeah. right? And I know I think you know he's been in the league 5 years now. This is going six to
1: 60 year. Yeah.
2: Six years, so he's coming into his prime, and like we saw LeBron, like LeBron at 26, 27 was about fully formed, but he honed his game, right? He, he sharpened it. He got more efficient. He learned his spots. That comes with a little age, so you know, and that's what I guess he will get more efficient. What you don't think he's gonna get better? No, no. I, as
1: I'm saying, that's exactly what I'm what I'm talking about. I think that yeah. it's it's not gonna be like this huge change. I just think he'll he'll. When I say more efficient, I'm not saying he needs to elevate his shooting percentage from 37 percent to 45 percent and turn into to Kyle Korver from out there. I'm just tired just, of
2: t- talk about efficiency. No, basketball yeah, know, is basketball I, uh, to me. You know, oh, and I, 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 no, I get what
1: you're saying. I do. I trust no. me. I'm, I'm all about it. Da- okay, let's let, let's 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 sidebar that part of it. <laughs> what if I what have I always said about? <clears throat> no, no, no. This is this is perfect because what have I always said about when when we discuss Damon CJ? Who's the one that I keep every single time?
2: It be it's dame, dame.
1: It's, it's, it's dame it's always been dame and i love cj and i love efficiency i love what he can do and i love how he creates off the bounce but i think dame has like what you're talking about that intangible ability to just scare the living Jesus out of a defense every time he has the ball um and, and, I, and, and,
2: and i'm sorry go ahead
1: no i mean that's that's really the the the, the crux of it all I, I think that there's there's more to it obviously than that but there's there's something inherent about Dame as a player and a leader and, and a and a floor general and everything else that kind of goes along with it that makes him so great. i I just want him to like I want for any one of these guys to to find that ability to get
2: to to make those little tweaks, to make those changes to elevate their game even more. All right. and see i, I so I guess we were saying the same thing to Green because like I think almost all great players and not just super elite players. Really good players. That's what happens with a little more age, right? Like, no, I, I can't think of a player who is the exact same at 29 as they were, a good player who is the same at 29 as they were in 26. You know what I mean? They do. They, they learn. Well, yeah, he's not a good player. He's <laughs> just, Wait, who he's did just, you say,
0: J.R. Smith?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking about like the top 15, 30 guys. <laughs> not, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I I, I get you. Now, here, here's where I want to go with this as far as Dame goes. What does it take for Dame? I, I know this is a big hypothetical. What will it take for Dame to do? What does he have to do to get Portland into the playoffs this year?
2: Um, I think Dame has to be himself, man. I think he hit with CJ. So the one thing I do think, you know, I think me, and you talked about this some, um, is that it it might have helped them to break up Dame and CJ. As, as good as they are, it would have been nice to get somebody uh, beside Dame who could play some defense, which we saw CJ in the playoffs actually looked really good defensively. But they're almost like there's too much overlap with those two. You know what I mean? CJ yeah. might he – might, he, might, he might be – and this is not to break – up look, I think some people are saying they have to break them up, blah, blah. I don't think so. I just think like let's say they traded CJ for like Chris Middleton and some other pieces, right? So now you got Chris Middleton and Dame in the backcourt. To me, that's, that's like – even though it's not really an upgrade, it's, it's a better fit. It's, it's a better synergy. Yes, it's a much better fit, I think. And Dame can just concentrate on being himself. But I don't know. Who knows? I, I'm just talking.
0: I have a question. As somebody who is not immersed in the Portland market, James, I would be interested okay. in how you would describe the differences between Dame and CJ. I mean, we have it like uh, we live it. <laughs> They're the, Both their similarities and their differences. How do you, as somebody who you know, drops in with, on the Trailblazers but doesn't spend so much time, how would you talk about those two?
2: Um, I think Dame is more talented naturally. Uh, he knows his spots and he's, he's an incredible score. He's crafty. He's nice with, he's nice with the ball. He's not quite Dame, uh, you know, as far as, uh, getting to the hole, but he's, you know, he, he can hit the floaters. He has great mid range pull up game. Um, you know, you know, you hit the three. So I think, and he's not as athletically gifted as Dame either. So. Uh, and Dame is just, I think, more a more a charismatic leader and just kind of more of a force, forceful personality than CJ. Even though he's like, you gotta tell me if I'm wrong. CJ seems a little bit more bouncy and maybe uh, outgoing, while Dame's a more kind of a quieter uh, uh, kind of leader. But um, yeah, I think that Dame is to me can just it's the the quick threes, right? The the quick pull up three that he's he's capable of pulling that gives him that extra umph
1: i think you're spot on with the with the analysis um dame is the unquestioned leader of the team both i think on the floor and and off the floor cj is what, what's funny is is you don't find dame talking much on the floor that like, kind of goes with, with what your, your your the quiet leadership as far mm-hmm. as you know it's, it's about his actions and guys that i've talked to around the league it's it's, it's, it's kind of funny they all say that cj is the biggest trash talker on the team
0: I've heard that too. Like CJ
1: talks, talks more mess than anybody else. Like like, him and Devin Booker are quickly like moving up the ladder of just absolute top tier trash talkers that don't ever get caught, (laughs) but they just talk noise all game long. I think it's, I think it's kind of funny to, to, to contrast those two because from the outside looking in, if I didn't know these two guys, I would think that that would be reversed. I would think CJ would be the quiet guy and I would think Dane would be the guy that just talking noise the entire time.
2: No uh, I, I just I, I guess it's because I've been t- tangentially following Portland that I mean that's just kind of how I've always seen him, you know what I mean I, and I would have I would have figured Dame would be a bigger trash talker because his game is like I said, he's pretty flashy and he you know the deep threes in people's faces, so that's kind of cool and I, I I don't know, man I would like I said, I would have traded Isaiah for him in a heartbeat like I would rather have Dame than Kyrie in, in Boston in a heartbeat.
0: You just keep your hands out of the point area. <laughs> it's, you do it's not get to take
1: Damian Tim over here at Blaze's Edge proposed the question because when we're talking about evaluating the trade, and this is kind of be the segue into into something I know it's near and dear to you. But when people talk about comparing point guards last season, that Kyrie, I.T. and Dame statistically were, we're all on the same level. I mean, with with varying levels of degrees there. I agree. Um, But at the same time, Tim Tim's question was basically, "How would you react right now if the same packet that was sent to um, Cleveland was
2: just sent for Dame?" Um, he's in a contract for how much longer? I know he just signed his extension, like kind of recently. Yeah, he's got three more years, I believe, three or four. Oh yeah, so I'd I'd I would be I would like that better for the more years. I, I like I think he's better than Kyrie Irving, so.
1: See from the from the Portland standpoint, we're all like you're sitting here for the exact same reason because of the years left in the contract,
2: we're saying hell no.
0: <laughs> so we would get IT and Crowder, Crowder. and Sizic and the pick?
2: Yes. Yep. That seems like a really I mean I get it cuz Dame is so beloved there. I can see why somebody would just say no. But just like if you look in it on paper that seems I still think it's almost like like IT is that good, right? IT's very good and he's he's going to have to get paid. So that's, that's, a, that's a, I don't mind a little bit of overpay. It's still an overpay, I think, but I would, I would rather that than Kyrie.
0: Can I ask a quick, quick
2: one? <laughs> no, 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 go for it.
0: <laughs> what, um, James, what do you think would be the ideal lineup around Damien? What does that look like?
2: In the, in the whole NBA?
0: Well, sure. Just- I know. I mean, like. Let's. I uh, guess what, let's keep it Portland real. Right let's now. go with like with Portland, and maybe you know if you want to add like one or two or whatever. But let's let's keep it um, really with with Portland.
2: Um, I guess you know the the start lineup they got right now. I, I like Farouk Aminu's intangibles. I think I like the idea of him more than him as an actual player. So I, I'd have him at power forward. Um, uh, the small forward is uh, now Portland just doesn't have. I think what they need at small forward. You know what I mean? I, I mean, what, what what are you guys going to do? I guess I don't know, man. They I I get it. I get crap had to go, you know, for the money wise, but he was a he was a nice fit, you know, as far as a shooter. They need a floor spacing uh 3 who can play the defense, you know. So, um
1: the 3 and D is is has been the Missing piece since Batum and Matthews both for last, sure. Right? Like, I mean,
2: oh, you know what? Batum would be absolutely perfect there. You know, Batum would have been yeah. a really nice, a nice piece there.
1: Yeah, that's something we, we've talked about quite a bit. In that, how bad does that trade look? The Batum for Gerald Henderson, Noel Vaughn, uh, trade. That's you know, in hindsight. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, Nick was going to get paid and all that stuff, but I mean, how how perfect would Nick? fit on this team right now knowing that he was the no doubt third option did he want out i don't think he wanted out but i think the message that was sent was he wasn't one of olshay's guys so i mean if you if you look at the way the roster is constructed right now every one of these guys was either brought in by olshay under the blazers or was drafted or, or brought in by olshay at some other point in time i mean eminion was was drafted by Olshay with the Clippers.
2: Ah, so he's not, okay, I get it.
1: I Harkless get it. was traded for by Olshay. CJ and Dame and Myers were all drafted by Olshay. Napier was traded for by Olshay. Nurkic was traded for by Olshay. I mean, you go up, and th- this is an, an entirely created, Evan Turner was signed by Olshay. I mean, every one of these guys here is an Olshay guy. Batum wasn't, Lopez wasn't, Matthews oh. wasn't. None of those guys were Olshay guys.
2: I think Wilson so Chandler. I think I think, I think Wilson Chandler would be a nice fit there. Uh,
1: that's somebody I've, I've talked about for years in Portland that I that mm-hmm. I've wanted here. I think he's a, he's a perfect tertiary player, third option that can play both ways. And and that that's the thing is you're sitting here as a Portland fan. You, you can talk about all these perfect fits what kind of what's gone on the last few years, and it, it's. When you talk about how, how how Dame's gonna grow, you you want to see those kind of moves made to maximize what what Dame can do in Portland.
2: Yeah, I feel like I can't say they handcuffed him with that roster because CJ's so good, right? It's just they, I think that maybe they handcuffed him and CJ because they locked in everybody else, and I mean it's just not it's not enough. You got to have the third guy, and, and other hope can be that third guy. I just I, you know I feel bad for I feel bad for Portland fans and for for Dame because I think he's a He's definitely one of those top-flight like, kind of talents. Like you know, let's, you swap a guy like you swap Damon and, and Steph. Sure, Steph's the better player, but I mean, Dame is like right there. Is Golden Talent. State
1: really missing? Is Golden State really missing
2: a beat? I mean, people are going to say yeah because uh, whatever. Yes, it's a slight. It's a downgrade. I don't think it's as big a downgrade as people make it out to be. You know, uh, are I they mean?
1: still the perennial favorite? Oh, for oh sure. my god, uh, dynastic team. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Steph is arguably, if not. You know, really the best shooter of all time so replacing that kind of production is, is certainly difficult but we're not talking about like an earth-shattering move here for for golden State to quote unquote downgrade
2: And you it's know so uh, much how, so much how we judge players is by their as by their situation and teammates because if you put like I said if dame just can't came- uh, a Clay Thompson and a Draymond, and was when we would see him totally differently. It's just the fact that you know he was a sidekick with LaMarcus for a little bit, and then he became the face of the franchise. And now that they're just kind of a middling team, no matter how good he is, people try to say, "Oh, well, you know, he's a second tier kind of star," and that's just it's it's just so weird because if you just sixty well, yep. one seasons. Oh, I broke up again. Oh, there you go. Just a little bit, but it's all right. You, got the, actually, you guys got the point. You got the point. Of what yeah, I no,
1: I, I I get what you're going with it. I mean, it's it's actually kind of a nice nice segue for for where we want to go with this. Since you're a, a, a Celtics guy through and through, you wrote a piece at B-Ball Breakdown, breaking down the trade for Kyrie for the Celtics, and obviously ITG Crowder Zizic and the Brooklyn pick going to Cleveland and. Your take on it was that Cleveland won the trade. Now we're sitting here, kind of with their hands tied, wondering what's going to happen. Is is Cleveland going to try to push for more here? Are they going to accept the trade? Well, what what's kind of your take on this whole situation as it sits right now? Because I I know you 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 put that Cleveland won the trade initially. So like if Boston does give in and give up, let's say they give up one of their picks. I mean, how much more of an overpay are
2: you talking about here? I would lose my. PG-13 podcast? PG-13. Okay. I would lose my poop if they gave up another pick. <laughs> so I think it's already a pretty big overpay. I get it. Uh, you know, the, the hip stuff. So this is what I think. It feels to me like they kind of probably discussed the hip stuff prior to the trade, and that's why the overpay was so egregious in the first place. And so I I don't know if Cleveland now is just kind of doing this to put on a show, to kind of like, you know, show the gravity of it and, Give their fans a good, you know, like, hey, we really put thought into it. I don't know if they're really just angling for more pieces, which kind of pisses me off. But, yeah, if they give up, I I, I wouldn't mind, like, a second rounder or even two second rounders, future second rounders. That's fine. Um, Even, I guess, if Boston wanted this they tossed in their own first this season, which does – well, they don't have their first this season, do they? Next season. Next season, yeah. So they have their own and Brooklyn next season? I believe that's the case. If that's the case, I mean, like, it still if, – if I'd rip my teeth. But, I mean, that's okay. But, but yeah, if they – hear I heard a rumor that they wanted uh, Tatum or, or Jalen Brown, and that's just out of the window. That's just that.
1: Yeah, I think asking for, you know, top-tier lottery picks on top is pushing the bounds. But yeah. but what if, that, what if what if they asked for one of the other prospects? Like who? I don't know. Yabu? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go down the list of prospects. Yabu's
2: no Sammy, no. no. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Rozier, um, I mean, I, I'd be willing to part with Rozier. There, be, there, that's there still, it is. There's, there's, that's that's still, there's still an there's, overpay, there's, though. There's, there's, I like, I, I really see this is my thing as a, fan, as a fan. I as a fan, I say no to Rozier. I, I love the young core they got in Boston. I love Rozier. I love Smart. I love Shemmy Ojule. I love freaking uh Yabuselli. I love those guys, and I want to see them. Because Boston right now is, is set to play positionless basketball. They can roll out five guys between six, six, and like you know, six, nine, and and actually run run an offense like that for a whole court. if they wanted to.
0: I have a question. Question. Timeout. I'm doing it's like here. a little timeout thing. I've heard many times talk about how Boston um, is going to be able to play positionless basketball. Yes. This is a. This is a team comprised of lots of new players. How yes. hard is it to I mean that positionless basketball seems like it might be the hardest type of basketball to learn as a team or is it actually not as hard as it seems like it should be? How how hard is it when you know to ad- to adapt to that when everybody on the team is new basically?
2: I think it's almost easier because it's just basketball. You're reading reacting. I think uh, like you just pick up – you defend the guy closer to you, right, because you're not worried about, oh, I need to go get a guard or I'm going to be mismatched. You can pretty much guard anybody, right? If you, if you got – say you roll out Marcus Smart, uh, Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown, uh, uh, you got, let's say, Marcus Morris at the four and Al Horford. Those four guys up front can pretty much switch one through – One through four, almost. So you don't have to worry about that. On and then offensively, you just run your offense, right? Like they run. Austin runs a a motion-based. You know, they move the ball from side to side. They try to get the defense shifting and they they attack on the catch. You just run your offense, you know. And so, uh, you know, of course, Smart brings the ball up. The offense. Everyone's just moving and cutting. And with five guys who can shoot, like that lineup would be just not like out there. Well, Smart can't shoot, but he's a guard um yeah you get you know you get your lineup out there like the like swap out yeah so either way it's I think it's almost easier it seemed like you just you're just playing basketball
0: Dan do you think that the the Blazers might be building towards positionless or have they already started that or does the fact that we have just signed Nurkic who's like a really super traditional seeming center um say no you know indicate to you no that's not the direction that they might go what do you think
1: Portland is, is lacking the necessary tools to play positionless because if you're going to play positionless, you need utility players that bring, you know, a breadth of tools along with size, length and athleticism. The only there's, there's one player on this entire team that you could say is a positionless player. And that's Maurice Harkless. Uh-huh. He, he's he's literally only one who is a two way player who could fit that mold, who could catch off off the pass and, and attack. Because he's he's got a decent enough handle to attack. He can hit a corner three when necessary. He can defend in multiple positions, one through three, sometimes fours, depending on the matchups. He he can definitely take on most stretch fours. Um, Aminu is nice on the defensive on the defensive side of the ball. He's fine, but he can't attack off the off the catch. That's 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 a disaster waiting to happen. I think that Portland fans have seen over the years his inconsistency from the from three point, let alone from the corner. Um, is definitely a problem. Now, if you had one of Dame or CJ on the floor, that's fine. A lot of teams will, will do that when they have a predominant scoring guard. Heck, um, I mean, that's what the Celtics did last year. IT is a, a pocket-sized version of Dame. <laughs> was, 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 was he a, a, a mismatch defensively? Sure. But when you can cover up for it when you've got Jalen Brown. You've got Marcus Smart, who's the only point guard I've ever seen who can literally guard one through four. Uh-huh. I mean, unless you want to call LeBron a point guard.
2: I love Smart.
0: What about the additions of uh, Collins and Swannigan?
1: Uh, Swannigan could possibly play as a second-tier positionless kind of, kind of four because he can step out and hit the shot. Um, He's shown he's got a decent, a much better handle than I anticipated. His first step's good. Defensively, he covers okay in space. Collins, he's he's two years away from even having an opinion formed on him. Now, had Portland gone another way in the draft, and this is a a big-time stretch, but had they gone Justin Jackson and Harry Giles, that would lead more towards that. Justin Jackson was probably one of the few players in this league that was ready to play on both ends of the floor coming out of college. He's got the length. He's got enough athleticism. He can play both sides. Harry Giles is kind of that, at least body type wise, is the prototype for the the positionless basketball. Uh He can cover all over the place, but obviously health being an issue there. So Portland, I think, is kind of the if anything, I think Portland's more like what Memphis was a few years ago. Than positionless basketball with the way that they're, they're they're trying to feature now. Now they're more outside in, but if, if you've looked at what Nurkic has kind of put his body through and the transformation he's going through, he looks like Marcus Ole did two years ago. Physically, really? I mean, he, he's he's slimmed down. Uh, oh, have you not have you seen the Instagram pictures, James? Oh man.
2: Oh, he's Lord.
1: He, He's he's not skinny. He's remember remember when his soul went from that transformation to being a big bulky center who was graceful to really leaning down two years ago? That's I what do. Nurkic looks like. That's what he he's he's dropped 35, 40 pounds. He's quite cut. He, he's probably down to 260 right now.
2: I'll and check mean, him
1: out. So I mean, when you look at how that's going, that's how I look at them kind of changing the team around and operating more, because that's the, the areas that Nurkic operates in are a lot like Gasol. He's not the passer that Gasol is, but he's not a slouch in that area either. But he operates a ton on the pick and roll and on the So I think that's the way Portland's kind of going, which, as we've seen with Memphis, is a difficult thing to deal with when you come to the playoffs. But there are enough holes in the wing position where I think it presents a lot of problems, which ironically, or not ironically, is the same kind of issue that Memphis went through they just never really had superior wing play
0: James what do you think do you think do you agree with Dan that for Portland it's uh we're not looking at trying to transform into a positionless basketball team
2: I mean yeah I th- you just don't have the personnel right I mean like I, I mean if you roll out Evan Turner uh Harkless uh Aminu CJ and then, like I guess, what Noah Vonley or on a good, yeah, Vonley
0: could...
2: on a good day, yeah. or even uh, yeah. So I mean, it's only going to cover one side of the floor, right? It's mean, not, <laughs> like like that, you can you can switch everything, but that's going to have a hard time scoring. And you know, CJ yeah. can still do his thing, but yeah, you won't you won't really be spaced the floor or anything. So I mean, so yeah, you could throw that defensive lineup, but for the most part, yeah, there's just not enough versatility up and down the lineup. Boston, literally, like I said, Boston has Shemi Ojale, uh, Yabusele. Brown, Tatum, Marcus Morris, Al Nader is like a six-seven swing man. So they got Hayward, like five Hayward. How did I forget Hayward? You know that that's literally like seven guys that they can you no know, that can play six-six six to six-nine. Yeah, and they, they can like most of those guys can play from two. Gordon Hayward can play two. Uh in a pinch oh and then can't, can't forget smart even though he's a point guard you know he he can like he said can guard the fours and you can put him move him around the floor so you got guys who can, you can move in multiple positions and and not really lose much you know so that's where boston i think has a really big advantage this this year uh um, it's the second yeah. most
1: flexible roster in the league behind the warriors as far as positions go i
2: mean i i warriors have more top end talent but i mean even so like boston has more bodies so yeah war Definitely, the Warriors—they win the flexibility just because they got KD and and Draymond and and Iggy. But as far as like I said, we got we got like seven, eight bodies almost that can do that. While the Warriors basically have Dray, uh, Dray, KD and Iggy, and like who else really? I guess Clay can move two to three. Livingston, so that's about it. Oh yeah, Livingston. Well, yeah, Livingston yeah, can guard up and down position too. So yeah, they win just by firepower, sheer firepower. it's a yeah. to State all day. It's but, it's yeah.
1: the better version of of what Boston has as far as the top end personnel, but has, <laughs> yeah. so, so the, the team in the
0: Bay Area is a better version of Boston. <laughs> People don't I mean, usually it's, talk it's, about it that it's way. It's
1: <laughs> not a bad model, I guess. It's not you know a what, bad have, model to follow.
2: I guess you have to you know what. Let's reward it so they don't get mad. The Boston Celtics are a worse version of the team from the Bay Area. Let's word because yeah, let's reword it because you know yeah. their fans are going to lose it.
0: We were going pretty car- pretty pretty strong down that road. <laughs> My last question, and then I swear I'll stop talking and um, you guys can finish up. But um, do the Boston uh, Celtics make it back to the Eastern Conference Finals?
2: Oh yeah, I think so. I think so. The Wizards did. Uh, they no. They re. They re. Well, they they locked up their guy Otto Porter, but they didn't really get better. I don't think they, they improved their roster, and they're very top heavy. They they got three guys, and then a bunch of like you know, pieces that are okay. I, I don't think they're the Raptors. I think they might have got better, but their ro their their problem I think is sch- schematically. I don't trust their coach. Uh, I I don't like what they run. They they run too much vanilla offense, and let's see if they change it this season. I doubt it. Um. Uh, yeah, I think Boston's almost even though they have a lot of roster turnover and they might start off a little slow. I think they're just too much talent, and I trust in Brad Stevens. So,
1: I mean, with the, with the, with the, with the way the East is sitting, it, it's top four, and then everybody else. Is, is there any other team that you see
2: even being a threat to those top four? Uh the Bucks. I think the Bucks have a sh- outside shot. Let's see what let's see what Jason Kidd can cook up.
1: If you're if you're thinking of putting your hands in Jason Kidd's coaching and I, I love Jason Kidd, I just I think he's suffering from the same thing that they are in Toronto. And that's yes. lack of creativity in, in what they do when you have easily the most creative and unique player in the league. Exactly. So they- that's that's a, that's a strange situation to kind of to watch how that unfolds. OK, let's look this back to the West here.
2: Well, hold on, real quick. I, wanna, things- I hold on. I, I need to make an amendment. I said that Boston okay. might be the most flexible team, and they go to. We gotta we gotta put Milwaukee in there, right? With Giannis, uh, Middleton, Middleton, maker, and let's say you know Jabari comes back halfway through the season, he he's definitely you know he's a he can go anywhere from you know he's a three four uh, maker. Yeah, so uh, Brogdon. Brogdon's uh, you know can play probably one through three almost. So yep. yeah, we got we got, we got to give them props for their versatility. And that's why you want to see
1: a team like that. You want to see them be creative. You want to see, you know, uh, somebody like Brad Stevens, you know, use some ingenuity and, and get the best out of those guys. Um, let's put this kind of back over the West. We've seen Kevin Pelton's uh, uh, RPM projections came oh out a few God. weeks ago. Yeah. And, and they had i I'm just saying statistically they've done pretty well as far as projecting a team and, and how they're going to perform based on past performance with the way they th- his projections came out he had portland 10th missing the playoffs but between 5 and 10 there was five games separating them with the way things sit right now do you think portland is 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 a playoff team or are they one of the teams that miss out
2: um so let's let's start from the top uh, of course golden state San Antonio and Houston somewhere to two or three I think OKC okay, will so be four, I think Minnesota's five. Denver's got to be in there, so that's six. Yeah, I think Portland's in. Portland's def. I almost say Portland's definitely in. Almost, almost definitely. I, I I I have a I have a lot of faith in Portland. I think they could be right there in the five, six, seven. It's just the thing. It's
1: like after the top four, I think it's gonna be a dogfight. Between
2: five and ten, definitely, and I because think you,
1: you, you've got a, a host of teams in there. You've got Minnesota. You've got Denver. The Clippers lost Chris Paul, but they've still got Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, sure. yep. Gallo. Utah, they have the second best defensive player in the league. Okay, and they, they've got and they, I, they and they've got a deep
2: roster. That's what I want to see, right? This is going to be. I want to see what they do in Utah because I'm of the belief that sure, Gordon. I mean, uh, Gobert is great. He's a great defender, right? But when people tell me that he was the better player, the best player on that team last season, I get it, man. That defensive impact is huge. But I'm a wing who can make things happen like Gordon Hayward. I don't, I don't see how you tell me that. I don't know. He whatever. was probably the most underappreciated player in the league. Like what he did.
1: Let's put, let's put it this way in a historical context: the numbers that Gordon Hayward put up last year were right on par with like near peak Brandon Roy. It's, it it's, just, just let that sink in for a second. Like how good Brandon was, Gordon Haber was operating
2: at that same level of production. It's crazy to me, man. I I, I get where people, the numbers guys, want to look at them and you know plus minus and all that. Well, when you got a guy who can give you twenty three points, you know, five or six rebounds and like four or five assists, that that's a big deal, right? The wings, wings and wing scoring, wing creation are a big thing, and a guy who can do that to me, I get it. Go, hey, Gobert was great. But guess what? They didn't lose too much defensively when Favors was healthy and on the floor. When Gobert sat, they did not, and that, that the numbers back that up. Even it's greatest as great as Gobert as a rim protector. So, yeah, I, whatever. I, I just get sick of people. You know, oh Gobert is like almost a top ten player in the league. I get it, but no. Nah.
0: Of the of the teams that you think are most likely to make it to the playoffs in the West, who do you think the Trailblazers would match up best with?
2: Oh, um,
0: I mean, we don't have to, like, lock it in or anything like. <laughs> for sure. No, no, I, I'm not. Yeah, no,
2: we'll do it. Uh, so let's see. I think I, w- I would be interested to see them in a series even against Houston. You know, I think Houston is a top three team. Right. Oh, that's last, a whole other Dame- topic
0: because I'm wondering if their two guard system is going to look at all like ours. But that's for another day.
2: Yeah, and Dame's not scared of Chris Paul. He shouldn't be. You know, Chris Paul can't. can't. What?
1: What? You, what? Dame's. Uh, I've kind of charted this over Dame's career. Like Dame's worst worst games of his career are against two guys, Chris Paul and Jeff Teague, both lightning it's fast. Not,
2: it's not runners. against Chris Paul. It's against the Clippers because Clippers load up on him and get the ball of his hands. They just they just as soon as he comes out of that screen, they got two bodies on him and they get the ball of his hands. That they make him C two the whole time. They make life hell for him. So don't say it's Chris Paul. Yeah. It's a I, I I know you're 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 anti Chris Paul, <laughs> but um, I, I'm just. I, okay, but that I, would I be a you. fun series. Because that would be what, a fun series, though. I think if that's the case, then I guess CJ's going to give Harden like forty a game because you know Harden not like guarding CJ. But they no, they will put Trevor Reese on one of them, so whatever. Um, so I still think it'll be an interesting series. Uh, and then next up, um, OKC. They give OKC time. now. Let's see if Paul George makes a difference defensively for OKC, right? And he he will. That might uh that, that might tilt it a little bit in, in OKC's favor. Um, How about our the, old friend
0: San Antonio?
2: Yeah, San Antonio. I don't want to
0: see San Antonio
1: in the playoffs ever.
2: <laughs> eh, whatever. Don't be scared of San Antonio, man. Don't don't let the who don't let the voodoo scare you. They're no, nah, they're they're amazing. And like I say this. NBA and then there's the Spurs. Spurs are just, they just operate on their own level. They just, they're just so in sync and in tune. But when you have athletic, uh, you have athletic, like just kind of volume kind of scores, you can give San Antonio a problem. But with Danny Green and Kawhi, you know, to throw at, at, uh, at CJ and Dame, that's, that's trouble.
1: Uh See, the matchups I look, I'm looking at are are the, the in division ones, Denver and Minnesota. Because I don't think Portland, Denver, or Minnesota knows truly who they are right now. For sure. Yeah. And I, I think that'd be a really interesting because Denver's got, even when I talk about positionless basketball, they've got a lot of guys on that roster who are incredibly flexible as well. Uh, Minnesota has definitely got star power, length, and athleticism in spades. I mean, when you've got Wiggins, Butler, and Cat, that's, that's a nightmare for teams to try to cover on both ends.
2: Here's my thing about Minnesota. I'm I loved it when they got Jimmy Butler. Um, I I was I like Taj Gibson. He's a good addition. To, I think any team, So That's cool. I didn't like the I, I wasn't that big on the Jeff Teague, Teague trade. I know he's a you know he's a nice scorer. He's a nice pick and roll guard. But I mean for that team, I don't know if he's really the best fit because Butler and um, Wiggins need the ball in their hands, and Cat needs the ball in his hands, and not just hey set him up and feed him. So I, I don't know if he's the best fit. And if you look at that roster, they're pretty that's they're they're not that, you know, now that Shabazz has gone to – not yeah, they're very top heavy. And I, I don't again, Tibbs has proven himself in the past, but you know, we saw last year, he's kind of stuck in, you know, stuck in his ways, and I don't know how modern and fourth thing this offense is gonna be. So sure, they're gonna be good. I just don't I, I I don't I don't buy the hype that everybody is pumping into Minnesota. Taking a look at all this.
1: What what are you most excited for? We'll, we'll kind of wrap up on this what are you excited for heading into this
2: season. Overall, just in um, yep. Paul George and OKC, I'm excited to see Chris Paul and James Harden interact and that go. That's
0: gonna be so good.
2: Again, uh, Dave's Dame's one of my favorite players to watch. I'm excited to see how with the full season they're, how they look, and of course, I'm excited to see the new look Boston Celtics. Uh, I really think that. Positionless basketball is going to be a lot of fun, and Danny Age, uh, not Danny Age, Brad Stevens has a lot of tools to work with, and we're going to see some really interesting stuff out of them. I think I think Boston's either going to be uh, a disappointment as far as like 45, 46 wins, or they're going to blow everybody away and be like way better than everybody thinks, and, uh, and almost touch 60. I, I feel like almost there's no middle ground.
1: It's either going to take some time to jail, they're going to struggle, or they're just going to hit the ground running.
2: I, I well no they may even start off a little slow but I think they're gonna go on like a really nice run and pretty much beat up on every team that's like on their level and up. and you know of course you know there's Golden State there's San Antonio whatever, but everyone else they you know they'll catch a lot of teams slipping because they're deep they're so deep I think they're going well, when another team second unit comes in and you know now you still got Gordon Hayward or Kyrie on the floor then you know that's that's tough you know that's gonna be tough to guard they're gonna be hard to guard.
0: Hey, you guys! This has been so great, and uh, I don't want to cut us off, but I think our audio somehow seems to be getting worse. So we should probably go ahead and. Wrap Degrading it up here.
2: as
1: Skype breaks
0: down. <laughs> oh yeah. no! I don't know what's happening, but we're all kind of cutting out. And I don't want to do the leaders, the re- the listeners, a disservice by you know going on too long with uh, with this uh, poor connection. But this this has been an awesome conversation, James. Thank you so much. I hope that you can join us later on in the season, and we can touch base and find out how. How we're, how everybody's, how everything is playing out, because I think you've you've said some things that are different than what I hear from a lot of analysts, and I'm not buttering you up. I just I just thought it, that was a really good time. What do you think, Dan? You want to take us out of here?
1: Yeah, James, go ahead and let everybody know where, you, where they can find you, man.
2: You can find me at beaballbreakdown.com. You can find me at realballinsiders.com, and you can find me and Dan over at the Bod Pod on almightyballerpodcastnetwork.com. Tara go ahead and let them know where they can find you
1: Well I
0: think you guys need to invite me over to the Bod Pod so I can come and find out what is going on over there. You can also find me on Twitter at TCBBigs and I write occasionally for Blazer's Edge, whichever one should go check out if you aren't already a regular reader
1: all right, folks, Skype is breaking down here. So you can find me on Twitter at DMerang, as always, at Blazers Edge over at AlmightyBaller.com. And just a quick reminder, BlazersEdge.com podcast is now a part of the Almighty Baller network. You can find us there. You can find us on iTunes and still part of all your other podcasts, Need Stitcher and everywhere else we've always been. For Tara, for James, I'm Dan. Thanks for joining the BlazersEdge.com podcast, and we'll catch you next time.